Welcome to Wall Street Confidential. I'm Aaron Task, joined again by Jim Kramer. Jim, welcome. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. Uh, there's a lot of economic data out today, but I want to talk about something else first. Again, today we have the misdirection from the futures. The futures point went up market, and as of right now, stocks are down again. Is this just because it's the holiday period that we're seeing this? You know, a lot of times when I was short at my hedge fund and I was positioned short, meaning I needed it down, uh, I would uh, create a... Um, a level of activity beforehand that could drive the futures. It doesn't take much money. Uh, similarly, if uh, or if I were long and I would want to make things a little bit rosy, I would go in and take a bunch of stocks and make sure that they are they're higher and maybe commit five million in capital to do it, and I could affect it. Uh, what you're seeing now is maybe it probably is bigger market now. Maybe you need ten million in capital to knock this stuff down, but it's a fun game and it's a lucrative game, and you, you can move it up and then fade it. That often creates a very negative feel. So let's say you take a longer-term view intraday, and you say, listen, I'm going to boost the futures, and then when the real sellers come in, real market comes in, they're going to knock it down. It's going to create a negative, uh, negative view. That's a strategy very worth doing when you're, va- when you're valued on a day-to-day basis. And I would encourage anyone who's in the hedge fund game to do it because it's legal, right. and it, uh, it is a very quick way to make money and very satisfying. Okay. Um, by the way, no one else in the world would ever admit that, but I can care. That's right, and you can say that here. I can't. I'm not going to say it on TV. <laughs> um, well, on a related note, there's so many more hedge funds today than when you were right. managing your hedge fund. Right. Do you think that that does that exacerbate the moves, or does it make it well, tougher? You know, uh, well, the hedge funds are positioned long, short. Okay, not just long like mutual funds. So it's really vital these next six days because of your payday. You've really got to control the market. You can't let it lift. When you get a research in motion, it's really important to use a lot of your firepower to knock that down because it's the fulcrum of the market today. So I mean, let's say I were, uh, I were short. What I would do is I would hit a lot of guys with rim. Now, you can't foment. That's a violation of, of ferment. Yeah, you can't foment. foment. You can't create a, yourself an impression that a stock's down. But you do it anyway because the SEC doesn't right. understand it. So, you, I mean, it's, that's the only sense that I would say this is illegal. But a, a hedge fund that's not up a lot really has to do a lot now to save itself. So um, this is different from what I was talking about at the beginning where I would be buying the cues and stuff. Right. This is actually just blatantly illegal. But when you have six days and your company may be in doubt because you're down, I think it's really important to foment uh, if I were one of these guys, for men, an impression that research in motion isn't any good because research in motion is the key today. So, you know, you would you would hit this guy and that guy when you would see an offering. When you see a guy who's bidding, you'd wipe out that guy very quickly. And what I used to do um, was called, if I wanted to go higher, I would take and bid, take and bid, take and bid. Um, and if, um, if I wanted to go lower, I'd hit an offer, hit an offer, hit an offer. And I could get a stock like Rim for maybe, that might cost me 15, 20 million. Annie to knock Rim down, but it would be fabulous because it would beleaguer all the moron longs who are also keying on research and motion. So yeah, I see we're seeing, today yeah, Rim, we're seeing that. That's you know again when your company's in a survival mode, it's really important to defeat research and motion and get the Pisanis of the world and the people talking about it as if there's something wrong with Rim. Then you would call the journal and you get the Bozo reporter on research and motion and you would feed that there's a Palm's got a killer it's going to give away. These are all the things you must do on a day like today, and if you're not doing it. Maybe you shouldn't be in the game. I have to tell you guys about something. Um, so 
This started because I would have arguments with a buddy who was a zoology major and I'm an anthropology major. So we study human beings and their primate ancestors. And he would always say that human beings are the only people that, um, you know, start wars and um, rape. And I was like, that's that's bullshit. Yeah, that doesn't sound plausible. Because um, first I said bears kill the whole like the the man and all his children and then rape the mother. He's like, that's not rape. That's just nature. And then I was like, well, okay. I definitely know that chimpanzees um, rape. And he was, and I was like, you know, they shake the bush and then they rape the woman. And he was like, no, that's not rape. Because what they do is they shake the bush, right? And then they ask the woman to come over, the female. And if they don't come over, they go over to the woman, beat the shit out of them. And then they go back to the bush and they shake it again, right? Shake it again. If she doesn't come over, they, they beat them within an mm. inch of her life, go back, shake it again. Eventually, they shake it enough times that they're going to come over and I would say get raped. But he said that they just have sex. They're just shaking the bush, right? And um, what me and Daniel were saying is this is similar to what happened in the financial market. Because for the longest time, the hedge funds have been shaking the bush (laughs) and raping the American people. But then what happened this time, though, is that motherfucker, the hedge fund, was the chimp that was in a tree. And then all these other little chimps came through. And instead of shaking the fucking bush, they shook the tree. And they shook those motherfuckers I, I out don't of think the this, tree. I don't think this metaphor really, really has anything going for it, to be honest. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alternative, you, alternative interpretation. Oh, you can shake the bush, too, is all I'm saying. Do they ever fight over who gets to shake the bush? Because I could imagine if... I thought the shaking of the bush, like, was the fighting. Like, that was... Like, yeah, yeah, Beta comes up and shakes the bush, and then the Alpha cracks his skull as a rock, because you're not allowed to shake the bush. I don't think the Beta... I don't know. We didn't get that far, but I don't think the Betas get to shake the bush. Well, what happens if they do? But that's how... Yeah, they try to test their status by, like, shaking... Oh, yeah, there there would be a fight. And then they're dead. Well, what if that's what happened with Robin Hood? And all of these little traders, they tried to shake the bush. Well, that's more similar to baboons, but that's another, that's another conversation. So, man, all my, my normie buddies are just all over this GameStop thing. It's, uh, it's gotten a level of like popular penetration that we'd love to see for like Medicare for all or something like that. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, reading, trying to read about it and make sense of it. Cause I don't know a lot about the stock market lingo and how all the stuff works. I've been trying to learn about it. Um, it's been in, it's been in people been talking about it in the newspaper the past few days. It's been on the front page. Um, it's been in there all week. And uh, I wonder like how many people actually understand how it works. Cause it, I don't think many people understand how it works, but I think that the kind of the bottom line interpretation is just so easy that everyone gets it right. Almost irrespective of what they're reading in the news, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, the system's rigged and the little guy, you know, took it to the, the big guys and, you know, are getting screwed over. Right. Like that's kind of the interpretation that everyone has. Right. And I think you, you kind of get that interpretation even without understanding anything about what's happening. You know, like that just sort of permeates mm. the, the well, that's the go to explanation all the time. Right? Yeah. But, but here it's just like, it's so clear and like, 
you you have no credibility if you try to offer any other sort of just so story about how, oh, well, the stock markets like, you know, like the the media has been trying to offer all these other interpretations mm-hmm. of what's going on, like, mm-hmm. oh, the market's risky or, oh, they're white nationalists on Reddit or like, yeah, oh, we'll it's the them. Russians or whatever it is like they, you know, there have been all sorts of trial balloon alternative narratives and none of them have any traction, not for want of trying, just because people understand straight up you know, what's actually going on. But it's a purely bourgeois phenomena. What the the. The, it's just an inter-bourgeois conflict among the ruling class. No, the Reddit guys aren't bourgeois. <laughs> Are you sure about that? No, man. Explain. What did Trotsky defend, say defend, about this? Defend your position. <laughs> what did Trotsky say about this? The, these are just, a lot of them are are unemployed. A lot of them are low-wage workers. They're just playing funny money on the stock market. So like, they're not uh, workers. Well, they're either lumping or they're workers, right? But I don't think there are many. I mean, sure, there are some, like Elon Musk jumped in. Well, I mean, PMC is a vast class, and it can include people who aren't particularly rich. And I don't even think these people, a lot of them, I'm not sure, are PMC. Like, I think a lot of them are actually just, like, people playing with their their stimulus money Mm -hmm. or their unemployment checks. Okay, well, before we actually, I think we should try to articulate what actually happened, but one thing we're saying, what I heard is why this and how workers and so forth. Some people say it's not workers involved, but my understanding is that around the time that the stimulus checks were released, I, it was a couple months ago. I don't know exactly when, but um, you could start doing uh, trades without paying fees. Mm. So that was a while ago mm. now. But you know, when when people like Robinhood and so forth started doing, um, what is it? You could do trades without paying any kind of You could always fee. do it on Robinhood. Right, right. But when did that start? I mean, it this started is a, a while ago. This is My a relatively new thing. And uh, I got privy to Robinhood in like 2016. Right. Mm, but okay. the business model of Robinhood is that instead of charging you fees for the trades, they're selling your trading data to the bigger mm. players who can then anticipate Classic. what you're doing and, and you know, circumvent you in the market right so who wants to explain this because but this is all relatively new i mean that's that's one thing that's important to note though it's it's all relatively new people are trading for free in quotation marks on apps right it's like it's like lump in investing people who would otherwise be excluded right are now able to be included. Maybe they have a stimulus check. They certainly can't go out right. and blow their money. Well, I mean, like my little brother has been into this stuff uh, and he's just, you know, he's a regular working class, you know, guy. He's not lumping or anything, but um, he and his buddies, um, he works in a lab that does primate research and he and his buddies have been playing with with oil stocks and shit ever since coronavirus hit. You know, I, th- I think it's just kind of becoming a... a it's kind of, you know, it's a hobby of sorts and, you know, you could invest a hundred bucks a week or something like that. Right. right? right. And, you know, but that's what seems to be kind of new. The ability to just yeah. sort of like play with change. Um, I mean, a hundred bucks would have been the brokerage fee. Not that right, long ago. Right. And you would have needed like 2,500, 25,000 right. in your bank account right. or something like that. There would have been other hurdles in place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I bet some people are going to spend their whole stimulus check on it though when they get it now. Oh, absolutely. Especially with the attention it's getting in the media. This is great advertising. Yeah. Well, but they're not going to be spending on Robinhood, right? <laughs> like that's... Yeah, well... Because did you see that Google uh, deleted like hundreds of thousands of one-star I heard. reviews for Robinhood? We should Robinhood. go into that too. Hmm. So, Thaddeus, we, we should explain it, but you want to say something? I don't want to say anything. You said, um... No. Are you sure? I'm I'm positive. <laughs> all right. Who's, who's, who's going to explain it? Are we taking straws? Well, we're all going to have to work on this together. Because, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know the specifics. But what I've gleaned is, all right, Ro- um, Melvin Capital and some other hedge funds mm. 
thought that GameStop was going to go under because theoretically you can understand why people are buying their games online, you know, mm-hmm. via the, the online storefronts are not buying physical copies as much anymore. So you'd expect GameStop to be in some sort of secular decline. Well, all, all real locations are their business is hurting. Order. GameStop order, yeah. deemed itself an essential service and stayed open during the pandemic. But I mean, but I mean, did. just generally in the decline yeah. of the American Every, everyone's in the second decline. Yeah. Um, and so, and you know, that that's a reasonable enough analysis, but the problem is that they went, they went all in on it and then some. And so they shorted, my understanding was that they shorted more GameStop stocks than there were GameStop stocks in existence. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but I've heard that statistic, you know, not floated exactly. around. That's not what I heard either. What I heard is that they shorted what was it? They shorted 10 million stocks and they didn't have the cash to buy them. And there, there were like 60 million GameStop uh, stocks. Uh Um, So they shorted those because technically they can't short the stocks that the owners of the company have. Okay. Um, So going back to what shorting is, as I understand it is that um, what happens is you have investors or you have, let's say a hedge fund. So you start off with the hedge fund. And you start off with a broker. So the hedge so the broker is the big one, and the hedge fund's the small right. one. Right. So the hedge fund will borrow. Um, so let's say a thousand stocks from the broker, and let's say these stocks are all ten dollars, or let's say they're yeah they're ten dollars at the time, or five dollars at the time. So they'll buy all of these stocks for let's say ten. Okay, start over. Okay, ten. So they buy all these stocks at ten dollars. From the broker, right? Which is going to shoot up the price, right? So it's going to automatically shoot up the price. Then they sell them right there. Mm -hmm. Um, So they make a profit. Well, they don't make a profit yet, but they sell them while it's high. So they're going to sell all these stocks, these 1,000 stocks. And then they're going to wait until those stocks drop to $5 from 10. So when the stocks drop to $5 is when they buy 1,000 stocks to give back to the broker. Which means that where they sold, you know, a thousand stocks for ten dollars. They made ten thousand. Then they bought a thousand stocks for five dollars, and they give those stocks back to the broker. Mm-hmm. That means that they spent five thousand for the new stock. Mm-hmm. Give it back to the broker. Pocket five thousand for themselves. So the problem with this is that there's an intermediary period between when the stocks are sold and when they're bought at the short to give back to the broker. <clears throat> and in that intermediate period. These shorts are public. Mm-hmm. So Wall Street bets knew that they were shorting, which and what they did is they said, OK, invest, mm-hmm. which raises the price. Right. So let's say the price raised to twenty dollars a stock. What that initiates is the collateral that they use to buy the stocks from the broker. If it reaches the cap of that collateral, then they have to start buying the stocks so that they can sell them. They, they can give them back to the broker. So that the broker doesn't lose money. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what happens is that raises the stock even more because now they have to buy them at 20 again. So then all those stocks, it's going to raise it again, which means other people who decided to short sell at a later date have to sell again and again or buy. Again and they might not have the liquidity to pay for it. But right. But that so, first step, though, isn't what I heard. What I heard. So we're like a bunch of blind men groping in the dark here. (laughs) What I heard was that the way, correct me, what I heard is that selling short is when a brokerage might want to get rid of its shares in a company because the company's going to eventually go under, they think. Like 
okay. all brick and mortar stuff, they will let uh, hedge funds borrow. Right. Borrow them. So they don't actually buy them in the first instance. Right. The hedge fund borrows it. So they get it for free, say for, I don't know, a week or three days or however many days. Mm -hmm. And then the hedge fund can play with it in that time. But at the end, it either has to give it back or buy it. And so, so let's say, I don't know, you're the broker. I'm the hedge fund. You sell me a bunch of GameStop for 10 bucks or no, I'm sorry. You let, you let me, you lend it. You let me borrow a bunch of GameStop for 10 bucks. I will then sell it to somebody else. Right. And then I hope that they tank and take a loss. Right. And then I buy it back from them for less, like I'm their friend doing them a favor. Right. And then I give it back to you when right. you, at the end of the period. And then I just keep the difference. Right. But, um, in the meantime, it has gone down for you. Um, the rub is then only if, if somehow it doesn't go down when I sell it to those people, if it goes up, then I might not have the liquidity to, to, to buy it back. Right. Or, or, um, well, the other bad situation would be, you know, so if I can't buy it back, then I'll go bank, then I'll go bankrupt because I potentially, because, you know, I'm going to have to buy it from you or give it back. And obviously I can't give it back if I don't have it. Right. And if I have to buy it from you, cause I sold it to him, then either I have the money and okay, but I've made no profit or I don't have the money. And then I'm shit out of luck. And I tank. Right. It's not that you have, I don't think it's that you have to buy it from me because you've already borrowed the stocks. You borrowed it, but you haven't paid you've for it. You've already sold them. Right. Yeah. But the thing and is you got to pay for it. You have the money. Yeah. You have to pay for them eventually, but the stocks are gone from the broker too. Right. And the thing well, is, no, they, they still are entitled to it. That's the they're thing. They're entitled to them, but the, the stocks are gone. Yeah. The yeah. Broker yeah. doesn't have yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. That's why they have to give them back. And the part that's kind of critical with what Wall Street Bets did is that you have to give collateral to the broker. And the collateral mm -hmm. defines when you have to sell or you have to buy the stock. Mm -hmm. So if your collateral, doesn't have enough liquid, doesn't have enough liquidity to cover mm -hmm. the rise. Um, then you have, it will never, it will never, you'll never get to that point because they'll have to buy it mm -hmm. before it gets to, um, you know, the, you know, the, the part gets to the amount that you had to, you know, put down as collateral, mm -hmm. which is automatic. It's pretty much automatic. So the broker makes them buy when their collateral is up. Mm -hmm. That's why it brought the stock up even more. So now they have to buy it while it's at a high and they, they lose, mm -hmm. but the broker doesn't lose. That's well, they the lose, they lose if, if the uh, hedge fund has borrowed their shit, sold it, tanked and can neither give it back nor buy it from them. But they, they're, they'll, ne they'll never be at the point because that's why it automatic they automatically have to buy it when they still have enough money to mm -hmm. buy enough shares. Well, then how did to what happened happen? Because what I understood, what I, what I understand about what happened is that basically, you know, what, what happened is the hedge funds tanked. So the hedge funds lost $3 billion because they had to pay that back to the broker, which so they, they didn't they borrowed. have. So they're shorting, they're shorting GameStop. The hedge fund tries to sell it, thinking the price is going to go down and they're right. going to pocket the difference. But in the meantime, you got this gang, a gang of people on, um, Wall Street bets, they're watching this. They know these people are betting it's going to go down. And they say, hey, we can make it go up. And then they're not going to be able to pay for that. And then right. they're not going to make a profit. And they're going to end up having to, to pay for all that shit. And they don't have the liquidity to do it. And then they'll be shit so out of luck. the problem is, is that the stock rose too quickly for them to cover it with their collateral. 
Right. So that's what happened to the brokers. But generally, when they short a stock, regardless, the broker has systems where they're not supposed to lose out. But it's usually the risk is supposed to be put on the um, hedge fund, not the broker. But this time, the stock rose so quick that they couldn't possibly cover the the collateral couldn't the, the cover. Bro- the brokers were exposed yeah. as well, right? Um, <clears throat> which is why they started leaning on you know Robinhood and and these other um, f- what what are they called? Stock retailers? Like what was the term yeah, for that? The, these kind of like re- yeah. So um, my understanding is that Citadel, which is the broker or one of the the major brokers that's invested in the hedge fund, Melvin, which is kind Mm -hmm. of at the center of all this, um, Citadel uh, provides a large proportion of the revenues for Robinhood. And so Citadel was able to lean on Robinhood and basically say, um, you know, you need to do everything you can to drive the stock back down, which is why Robinhood suddenly starts um, telling people they can't can't buy anymore. You can only sell. And I heard reports of people actually having Robinhood sell against their will their own stock. Yeah, um, I heard that too. But I don't yeah, know I don't know how, how true screen, that is. But screen yeah. captures. Yeah. So it could, wait, could who be. would they sell it to? Presumably the the hedge fund that oh, needs. Oh, I see. Right? I see. I see. I mean, they're, um, collu- yeah. they're colluding to to drive that stock back down because because yeah. well, their it took obligation. A big, it took a big dip, right? It did. it did because a massive one. I think what was right. it like four fifty? Yeah, and million so this, to this like is where ninety five or like what? I don't know, one hundred and thirty or something. Yeah, but then it but then it came back up. It to came back average, up to like a, a medium level. But but well. this is the dip where people are saying in that in that massive dip where Robinhood and the other companies basically game the system so that you can only sell, you can't buy, which means that. The, the price is going to go down, right? In right. that dip, people are saying mm-hmm. that's where Melvin and some of these other firms uh-huh. went back. You know, they were able to swap out their bad shorts mm-hmm. here so that they could minimize mm-hmm. their their losses. And then um, they may have gotten back in and bought more shorts for right. the new price or something. So in the end, they might actually come out on top. But I don't know how how the true house that always wins. Is. Yeah. Well, I mean, the house always wins because they'll cheat, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, indeed, it's only fair when the house wins. Like, right. They're screaming now about how this is. You know, FDF, FC, uh, FEC, what is it? The FEC. FEC yeah. is going to have to look into this to make sure that no laws have been broken by people talking on an internet platform. Right. Well, it's interesting because there are two different like strains of this, right? There's the kind of- Nothing illegal happened on the customer side. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I mean, it, unless, <laughs> unless you're going to start saying that any discussion of stocks is collusion right. or something like, yeah, it's clearly nothing illegal happened on, on Reddit, but um, a lot of kind of more establishment minded uh, voices are saying that the, we need to investigate wall street bets or whatever, including apparently Elizabeth Warren um, took that side of the, of the argument. And then you have various sort of more populist oriented or like, people who are trying to portray themselves as populist because they see that this is a, a good opportunity to do that are saying, well, no, we need to investigate Robin hood and you know, the, the hedge funds and so forth, which, um, you know, I think famously AOC and Ted Cruz both said that, you know, at, at the same time. So, um, well, right. Ted Cruz, what did she, she tweeted Ted out? Cruz came in a little late, but <laughs> she tweeted out these people have treated our economy like a casino something like this. And Ted Cruz says, I agree. What was right. That? Ted like Cruz that? agrees now, even though he's, he's voted yeah. for every wall street deregulation. I also just can't help, but note the irony of the name Robin hood as yeah. an it's app. pretty sick. I mean, it's, I mean already, I mean, just even if it were just not doing what it was doing, 
it's already kind of this. Well, well, the the you know. founder is is Russian, right? I'm wondering if he's Cold like if if he has. Oh, he's Bulgarian. Okay, I'm wondering if he's oh, descended worse, from oligarchs even or something. Worse. Yeah. Have you guys seen the show? The, the show, the movie Time Bandits. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. So in Time Bandits, there's a scene with Robin Hood, and what Robin Hood really does is he steals from the rich, but then when the poor people come to get some of the loot, they all get a punch in the face. <laughs> And then one of the time bandits is like, why are you punching them in the face? And he's like, so that they never come back. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's not an exact, you know, um, metaphor, but it's it's a little bit closer to what Robin Hood really is, the company. Well, I guess it's so it presents itself as though it's like a way to level the the inequality gap between the big insider wall street insiders and the small right. normal guy. But in this case, it's quite clear that, you know, they were working with, um, so they were working to protect yeah. mm-hmm. in the first instance, Melvin capital. And then right. in the second to protect the brokerage firm. Mm-hmm. Citadel. Right. But I mean, that's, that's intrinsic to it's to, to Robin Hood's business model, right? Like they make their money, precisely because they don't charge any sort of fees to, to regular people. Mm. They make their money from selling regular people's trading data to firms like Citadel. Um, and so of course, if Citadel calls in a favor, they have to comply because that's where their business right. is. Right. So it's, it's really like Googleized uh, the, yeah. the way you think you're getting a free public service, but really they're just sort of selling. I mean, you're really just providing free information for them to sell to a, it's like Facebook. Yeah. But that's yeah. the kicker is that the fact that they were, Sending the information a millisecond, you know, before the trades were actually finalized. What that does is if you have uh, microtransactions, um, it means that the program is going to say buy or say yeah. sell at yeah. a certain time. So the programs were buying and selling at times that weren't opportune for the brokerages. That's why they had to stop um, buying at large. But that also seems like that shouldn't be legal because uh, that sounds like, you know, it's verging on it. Of course, it's not a person mediating it, but it sounds like it's verging on inside information if if it's reporting stuff to the to the firm before before anything else, they're going to know the direction this is all headed in and then can act on that basis, right? I mean, shouldn't that be illegal? You're asking me. <laughs> a lot of this stuff should be illegal, right? But yep. um, I mean, like tips. You're not allowed if you if you act on a tip. If you have knowledge other people don't have, it gives you an unfair advantage. That's insider trading. Yeah, that's but it's illegal. not coming from the company. That's why I don't think it's illegal. So insider right. trading is when the company gives you inside mm-hmm. information as to how they're gonna, you know, do stock buybacks or you know what's gonna happen. But if Robinhood gives you information on the general tendency of the market, not ahead of the individual purchase, but in 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 advance of the market uh, direction, I mean, no laws on that. But we have to stop these people from using Robinhood and saving. Um, Saving GameStop because they're fucking uh, Melvin Capital. So my question to anyone who knows, I don't think anyone here is probably going to know, but I was thinking, what if, um, you know, the brokerage just said, you don't have to pay us back, um, you know, a premium. You will just have you pay us back what you owe, you know? And then, so basically you just have to pay your debt. You don't well, that's what they couldn't the do. Back. That's what they, they, that was in part what they couldn't do, right? Right. Well, that's, that's why what bankrupted. That's him. why Citadel had to roll like another billion, two billion into Melvin Capital, three billion, three billion back into Melvin because they realized that Melvin was was about to to collapse. Um, it's just cronies. What was it that um, 
What was it that, um, it was the Tesla guy? Musk. What did Musk tweet about this? Do you remember this? Oh, Musk was all in on, on, it was something like these hedge funds are, have no public utility or something. Because mm, more than that. Yeah. Well, because um, Musk, you know, he calls himself a socialist. Right, just not the stupid kind. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. I mean, it's it's what we we're talking about. We we talk about all the time is that you do have if we're talking about Marxism, you do have different parts of capital that fight against each other. So basically, sure. if if Elon Musk is someone who's involved in manufacturing whatever, um he is a part of like this brick and mortar um production part of capital, mm. capitalism, and these are just parasites on his business because they're just hedge funds. Though, well, though, here, here's what he says. He says, you can't sell houses you don't own. You can't sell cars you don't own, but you can sell stocks you don't own. This is bullshit. Shorting is a scam. Legal only for vestigial reasons. Well, I mean, so Musk, I'm sure, conceives of himself, conceives of things in that way, right? Like, he's an industrial capitalist, right. you know, arrayed against financial, too, financial capitalists. But, <laughs> no, but the thing is that Musk Musk has never actually it's made money on joke. anything, right? Like, Musk's business businesses exist precisely because right. of the financialization of the economy means that all these hedge funds have tons of money to just throw around at random. Well, his random. cars turn a profit. They do now, but I mean, it fucking, took, it took a long-ass time. those things? No, I haven't. Oh, my God, I've ever what? Ridden, taken, ridden. Oof, yeah, you've ridden in a Tesla? Oh yeah. I when was, I was in Holland a few years ago, and the guy at a party was uh, a test driver for the factory in the region, and so he had the f- plant model, which huh. was which was not the model that you know you get in the storefront the customers can get, and so it had all this crazy test stuff in it, and um, so because it's not a combustion engine, it's electric. It's all the computer technology just out of this fucking world. Like there's a button he could hit and it would go zero to 60 in literally like, I don't know, a second. It was mind boggling. We pull, we pull it. No, this is worth it, man. We pull into the, we pull into the stoplight and this guy next to us in this old stupid, like seventies muscle car, he's revving up his engine and stuff like a big badass, And what kind of fucking seventies muscle car did you find in Holland? Well, weirdos, <laughs> weirdos, like a boomer, don't, a boomer, don't, don't, a get GTI. Him, don't get him started on <laughs> Dutch Holland. people. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's got to be a GTI, right? Yeah, push the button. Started. You push the button, and it's like I don't know how many G's we pulled, but it puts you in the seat, and you can feel the gravity. You just uh-huh. and and you know what? There's not even a noise. The tires don't squeal. Nothing. It's beautiful cars. So <laughs> cool. Um, no, but um, let's talk about trains. I like that. All that why, whole thing ended with beautiful cars. <laughs> the reason why Tesla like just started making a profit on its cars is because there was a, a, a rule that they could only produce twenty thousand cars. So that was lifted. I don't know exactly when, but relatively recently. Thanks, Obama. And that's when the stock popped up. Yeah, just shot up. So because. Yeah. Yeah, my but I mean, his his other businesses are like that that idiotic underground, like fake subway sure. system thing. I mean, even the cars, the boring like a company? lot of his boring company. Yeah. yeah, and then and then he's making like space shuttle replacements. Yeah, space, and stuff. Yeah, like, SpaceX, those would be cool yeah. too. Yeah, he, the, he I was original. He was a. Is he still a part owner in PayPal? No, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. PayPal, by the way, is the absolute worst company I've ever done business with. Really? I, I'm, really? I'm selling like a bunch of old stuff on, on eBay right now. What do you got? 
uh, PS4. Oh. Yeah, I already okay. sold that. Okay. Um, but uh, you don't happen to have a copy of the uh, you don't the Verkal Skaba of Marx's. And you don't uh, happen to have a copy of Meow the Jewels. <laughs> Right now. Right. But but PayPal is apparently notorious for just like taking your money, right? Like they will sit on it for 180 days and mm-hmm. they'll charge you fees equal to the amount in your balance and just like zero out Wait, your balance really? like that. No, yeah, if you Google that. if you Google like PayPal stole my money, you'll find all these threads from all over the internet. Um just from people being like, you know, I was using eBay for like a Well, uh, Peter Thiel, the other founder, yeah. is a He's fucking a real psycho. Oh yeah, the He's- Palantir guy. Guy, right well he's the one who uh basically personally ended gawker mm-hmm. uh because That's they right. because they well because someone outed him at gawker <laughs> <laughs> but i mean among other things I wasn't mean, the know, hulk hogan porno yeah. tape yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that yeah. was also Official part of it reason, yeah but he right. got in behind well that's it. why he got behind it yeah he he really yeah i mean really, mostly what he was the main supporter for trump and uh He's a sort of rabid. He's like foaming at the mouth. Like libertarian. Blood of the young, gonna live forever. He's, psycho. he's John Galt. That's what he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I only vaguely yeah. get that reference because I've only been able to read a third of that book. What is oh, that? It's Atlas Shrugged. Is that, that was, that's yeah. Atlas Shrugged? Oh, yeah, I've never, I've never, never read that one. been able to make it through that. I've tried to read that book three times. Because Anne, that's because Ayn Rand was not a very good writer. It's. <laughs> Harder to read than I, I, I don't care. I don't care about her ideas. I'll read books with bad yeah, ideas. You read right. day Anne in and day out. That's fine. Right. My problem with Anne Rand is that uh, she was just kind of a shitty writer. Yeah. Try if, three you know, in fact, reactionaries are frequently good writers. Oh, yeah. You know, like oh, Yuki Mishima, like uh, Borges was like a supporter of the Argentinian junta oh, yeah. for a while, right? Well, but, and uh, like John Dos Passos. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he was a communist, became a conservative. Steinbeck also became a conservative. If you're going to try to read Atlas Shrug, Shrug three times, you could read Das Kapital and no, no sweat. Marx is a much better writer than Anne That's Rand. not true. He's a terrible writer. <laughs> yeah, he has moments of literary genius. He has moments he of quotes literary. And, uh, yeah, he, he has moments where he references literary figures, but that's about it. His writing <laughs> is so fucking boring. Just the first few chapters. No, the fucker needed, he needed an editor. That's true. <laughs> is it better than Harry Potter? Yes, Harry Potter is Harry Potter is canceled now. Four of those. Why is he transphobic or whatever? Uh, J- yeah, J.K. J.K. Rowling is, is, is transphobic. Oh, damn, she's yeah. one of those uh, s- turfs. Yeah, she's she, a but turf. like a British style turf, right? A, like yeah, apparently like a lot of uh, moral panic about trans children. But kind J.K. Of Rowling is rags to riches. Yeah, it's you true. Know. It's true. She is. She's actually like a legit billionaire who became a billionaire just because she wrote some books. It's pretty right. ra- pretty rare, actually. Yeah, so do you think that the good. elites are trying to keep the, uh, this is a case of the elites retaliating against the rags to riches, um, <laughs> to bring it back to the, um, the trading, uh, oh, no, I, I, I think what's going on is simply that wall street understands that it cannot allow regular people to start influencing the stock market, right. AKA dumb money, right? They, they can't let that in. So they have to crush it. And that's why they're pulling out all the stops and doing all sorts of illegal stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure plenty of them will be hit with fines and class action lawsuits and so on and so forth, but it's worth it for them because if they let this happen, then nothing is going to stop wall street bets from undermining every single one of their yep. too clever by half stratagems going forward. Because mm-hmm. shorts are public, right? Which means that yeah, if you see someone shorting a right. company, you know, you can fuck them. You can just, inflate the price of that stock and screw them and get their money. You mm-hmm. will get well, their you also money. Know, you also know that they're betting not only that that company's going to tank, 
which is to say like a, a, a uh, you know if it's on if it's being traded it's a big part of the american economy it's going to tank but they also have incentives to make sure that it does tank and and what we've learned from this is that they will they will go out of their way to make sure that it does actually tank and mm -hmm. so i mean what it i mean it's like they're you know they're standing out there it's vulnerable it's public you can see it they're they, you know they're like flying their fucking underwear on the flagpole and now everyone knows what that is and now we can mm -hmm. do something about it. And for a long time, they sort of sold this idea that, you know, every man can do this, free markets, freedom, everybody can be involved, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, no, I think what's going to happen is that they're going to try to keep normal people out. I mean, of course, but are yeah. they going to be able to? Is, That's is the question. question. What mechanisms are they going to try to use? Because there's nothing illegal about these out? platforms. Because I was talking again with my brother about this and we were discussing like, you know, the idea that, there's probably a whole lot of smart people in rooms with these, you know, hedge funds that are trying to figure out how to capitalize off of this, you know, and, and turn it into their favor. But the thing is, with the democratization of information with the Internet, guess what? There's probably a lot of those smart people that are inside of the Wall Street Bets chat room. Also, because you have a very overeducated population at this point. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, I mean, this is the the over elite overproduction has resulted in a situation where you have tons of people who, you know, Robin Hood is obviously no longer a reliable means for people like right. Wall Street bets to to exert stock options. Right. But you can imagine an open source equivalent of Robin Hood sort of being developed and kind of taking form precisely because all these kind of small investors understand that they have an overwhelming incentive to make sure that there's something that that they control. Right? Well, Robin Hood is also demonstrated that it's not reliable for for normal people who want to do investing because second shit hits the fan with their friends they're ready to right yeah to to screw stuff all oh, around yeah. robin Hood just tanked its entire business model you know like it, it has no credibility anymore i mm -hmm. i don't think the company can go on i mean this is it's, it's it's capitalism running up against its own ideology of free choice liberty you know free markets and stuff because you know it's only free and it's only fair and it's only good when 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 the whoever is selling wins and and in this case it becomes very clear that you know free markets aren't always in favor of the capitalist of the day because you know in a competitive market like you know economists model things they might lose but they're going to make damn sure that they don't lose so all this shit about freedom if you're going to have freedom you're going to have competition if you're going to have competition and some of them are going to go bankrupt but they're not but we see and it's not just this case they don't go bankrupt and they're protected not only from brokerage firms, but from the, from, from the fed, right. from the and, federal yeah, government. Right. And so it's the, you know, it's the government, it's all the institutions, private and public sort of colluding to make sure that the ultra collusion is there. Right. But I, you know, I think this is the, the big, uh, the hopeful element of all this is that a lot of people who until last week were just playing around the stock market and sort of had an underlying sort of acceptance of, of, capitalist ideology and so on and so forth. A lot of those people are now primed to very rapidly abandon any loyalty or affinity they may have towards yeah. capitalism. Right. And it's the job of, I, I think that's absolutely, I think class consciousness on wall street bets is skyrocketing right now because they're seeing, you know, there was this always a sort of latent, like let's stick it to the hedge funds. Let's mm -hmm. stick it to the, the, the 0.1%. But 
now that they're in the process, right? But now that they're getting screwed, you know, you're seeing a lot of people on Wall Street bets saying things like, "It's not even about the money anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to fuck these people." Right, and know? that's like what I, I think is good about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, and some people say that that's reactive or that's negative or I don't know what. But but when you have a will among people who have the means and the intelligence to just fuck the people who hold the power, then I I, I would say that that is like the germ form of class warfare, and that's what we need. I mean, that's yeah. precisely what we need. Yeah. And I don't think, I think also um, it's the idea um, with all these people getting together. Like I was thinking about it, you know, investing, like my brother invested in AMC. Um, my other brother's investing in AMC. I probably will. And the thing is, I don't even care about losing money because I was thinking about it around the dynamic of what if there was a GoFundMe that said donate, right? right to destroy this hedge fund. Right. I would donate to mm-hmm. destroy a hedge fund yeah. with no um, chance of a, a, a profit. Right. But if you, you're you adding a profit incentive to the idea that I get to destroy hedge funds. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm, we can do class, now we can do class war on the, the large through scale. the market channels. Right. Not right. just us weird well, people. Right. And, the, you know, this is, I, I was thinking the other day that this is sort of similar to how the, the Chinese government has been able to exploit certain inherent contradictions or weaknesses within capitalism to, you know, undermine the geopolitical strength of the United States, right? By making it so that all the for-profit corporations move all their manufacturing to China Mm -hmm. and then- the U.S. is is devoid of an industrial base. Well, and American no capitalists have been pretty damn eager to do that. Sure, sure. But what I'm saying is that you know the the Chinese government has has been able to kind of uh, manipulate capitalism against itself or against its right. its, its guarantor, which is the United States, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think you can you can view this as an analogous situation where regular people of various political leanings, ah, gotcha. but can can now sort of mm-hmm. realize that they have the capacity to mm-hmm. wield capitalism against itself, right? Mm-hmm. Against its champions and against mm-hmm. its guarantors in Wall Street and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I think that this is um, there's a lot of potential here. And if the if the left, you know, or, or some sort of populist um, sort of tendency is able to start coordinating this stuff and creating mm-hmm. the the independent institutions such as stock retailers, mm-hmm. software, such as message boards that aren't going to be shut down when it's inconvenient for Reddit or, or Facebook or whoever to have them around. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can start creating this infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of that's what, organization. Right. That's the kind like the old the beer halls and the childcare and stuff mm-hmm. that the old right. socialists and social democratic parties used to have mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a socialist party should develop this kind of infrastructure because mm-hmm. that's well, that's one of the ways that we're going to take the fight to capital. Um, Let yeah. me introduce a petite nuance. Uh, totally. Uh, that makes sense to me. And I think um, we just say, you know, you've got capital, which is like a social relation of accumulating uh, wealth and wealth creation. And then you got the capitalists, right? And, and, and we could just distinguish these. I mean, you could, you could come up with organizational technology to let working people participate in capital. They've traditionally been excluded. And capital development is also the social, economic, technical development of a country's economy. Thing is, the myth was always that capitalists and capital, I mean, there's no way that the capitalists could become a fetter on the accumulation of capital and the development of capitalist economies. But what we're seeing is many capitalists, they sort of reach a point where they're like, all right, let's just stop there. Let's not go any farther. Like, like Reagan and Thatcher and all these types, you know, once they get theirs, they, they positively want to slow down, um, 
capitalist development. And so, I mean, if you could have capital development beyond capitalists, and I think that's what China does, you could do that here too. I mean, because what is what is Wall Street but the sort of nerve center of capital? I mean, you could wield capital as a weapon. Workers could wield capital as a weapon against capitalists. Right. Yeah. I mean, like trade unions used to, when they were stronger, they used to use the investment of their pension, you know, funds as a way to sort of exert political pressure. You know, there, you know, there's a long precedent for this sort of stuff. It's just that we need to adapt it to um, the the technical, you know, necessities of the present day. Right. And we've we, thanks to Robin Hood, we see what those are. Right. Mm-hmm. Like working. Pe- there's going to be an audience for working people who who realize that they can't just <clears throat> buy stocks on Robin Hood anymore. Um, so someone has to create an independent, you know, sort of worker controlled, you could say, or at least open source, uh, alternative. Yeah. A a socialist hedge fund. Right. (laughs) I mean, you could even learn how to game Robin Hood. I mean, why? That's what happened here. There was, there was at one point, there was an infinite money glitch on Robin Hood that people on wall street bets found out about like some kind of glitch Mm -hmm. in their software that allowed you to kind of create infinite money or something. But someone will say why and roll their eyes at this thought though, because they'll say, well, that's stupid because even if you, if, even if a smaller person sticks it to a bigger one on wall street, a big capitalist, it's still capitalism and we're against capitalism. And that's just an inter-bourgeois. I heard this on a podcast. That's just, this is all bullshit. Don't get excited. It's not going anywhere and it's not any good because it's just an inter-bourgeois squabble. And we're, if you're anti-capitalist and you're for workers, this isn't going to do anything for workers. I, I think, I don't think that's right. What do you think? I think that, you know, and, and this is maybe totally tangential to what you were just saying, but if you imagine a sort of a worker's hedge fund, like you were mentioning, what would distinguish a worker's hedge fund from a regular hedge fund is that rather than one share, one vote, it would be one person, one vote, right? So in a worker's hedge fund, you could have someone with a hundred thousand shares and someone with a hundred shares and they would have the same weight. And that would, that would be the distinguishing factor that would make that, um, a non-capitalist hedge fund, right? Because it's democratically run. Um, whereas under, under capitalism, you know, the, the basic structure of corporate governance, including hedge funds and brokers and so forth is simply the more shares you own, meaning the richer you are, the the more power you have internally. I mean, along with that also, it's just at its root, it's going to be, um, against capitalism because the problem with capitalism um, as we talk about, is that the workers don't get the surplus that they generate. Right. So if workers are able to game the stock market in order to extract that surplus from the stock market that this that they had that the stock market has extracted from their work, mm-hmm. that means they are getting the surplus that they were supposed to get from their work. They just have to do, you know, um, an in run around the system mm-hmm. to get it. You know, but mm-hmm. if we make if we create systems where that's just part of being a worker, you know, like if you had pension funds that did the same type of activity to um, destroy hedge funds. Right. Or the or, famous, the famous Meidner plan, right? Where like we, we give workers progressively more control over um, the corporations that they work for. Sure. Right. Right. I mean, the problem with capital, I, I, as I see it, the problem with capitalism, I mean, you know, I would encourage every anti-capitalist to try to formulate in one sentence what their objection to, to capitalism is. And, and as I see it, the problem is that we generate surplus value. We enrich the wealth of someone other than us. That's to say you generate surplus value, which accrues to a bank account that doesn't have your name on it. And if it did, then the problem would be dissolved. So in this case, I think like someone who says, why would you want a worker's hedge fund? Well, I mean, let's think about what that is. 
Finance capital, what is that? The speculative trading of shares in the future returns, profits of other companies. That's to say, rights to access to other people's profits. One. Two, it also directs capital. Which capital goes where, how much, and where does it not go? For in, in, for instance, in this case, it could tank all of these brick and mortar stores where working right. people work. And so tanking it or not isn't going to mean the revolution or not, but it's going to mean these people's livelihoods getting worse or not. And workers should control their fate. Because and and the- secondly, I mean, workers controlling the direction of capital is workers control of the economy. And that's what a socialist is purportedly after. Right. And the second order of like where I would add to my problem with capitalism is that the capitalists decide what to reinvest the surplus in. Right, right. So if these Wall Street bets, if, or if you have workers hedge funds, that means those workers are functionally deciding where to reinvest the capital, because that's what Wall Street is. It's just reinvesting in different sectors of the economy. So if the workers have a hedge fund and they're like, hey, um, we want to save um, GameStop or we want to save brick and mortar operations like AMC movie theaters, then that means that the second problem is solved, not solved, but it's alleviated to an extent because the workers are then deciding what to save mm-hmm. and what to tank. Right. That's to say or they're not deciding even what to right. tank because the hedge funds are the only ones that are trying to tank mm-hmm. these companies. That's right. They're right. parasites, not only parasites. They're also right. parasites which are profiting. I mean, a good parasite wants the host to live forever, but these parasites actually make more when they kill the fucking host. Right. Because they can go to a new host. They go right. from host to host to host. Well, and, and it opens up, you know, so at the moment, something like Wall Street Bets is decentralized in the sense that it's very much a crowd, mm-hmm. you know, sort mm-hmm. of crowd dynamic where people pile on to a given stock when it seems like the the crowd is all piling on. Mm-hmm. But if you had a workers hedge fund, it could be much more purposeful. You could say, mm-hmm. hey, GameStop, mm-hmm. we'll swoop in and save you from mm-hmm. this hedge fund mm-hmm. if you unionize. Right. Like here are preconditions, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it would give if you had the capacity for workers to operate as mm-hmm. a market entity, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a unified block to know, weaponize, to weaponize, right, you, could, you could accomplish a lot more than simply mm-hmm. making money and tank. Right? right. It wouldn't be pump and dump. You right. know, it wouldn't be like, let's jack up this asset. Let's inflate the prices, sell it off, leave it la hot potato with the suckers so they get fucked when the prices fall. It wouldn't be that. It would be strategic. Like, do we workers want uh, these finance guys to, to tank companies, which will put workers such as ourselves out of business? No. So when we see them shorting, let's, let's bankrupt them. Because, I mean, my God, read, I mean, read Wage, Labor, and Capital by Marx. He uses the military metaphor in, ter- in the discussion of the markets. The warfare is in the economy. But you don't even have to deliberately tell the company that you're going to save them. Because no, if, no, no. if you buy up all the stock as a worker's hedge fund, guess what? I mean, if you really you buy own in, you could take control. of that company to tell them that, yeah, you're going to unionize now. That's what right. you could do. Well, and that's that's the model, <laughs> and of that like, is the worker ownership of the means yeah. of production. If you actually right. get a get a well, that's the model of like the Norwegian, you know, various states, but the Nordics in particular have these sovereign wealth funds, right? the The issue is that they. I'm not sure if they've always been this way, but in our days, they're depoliticized to a large extent, right? Like rather than being um, the the population of Norway having democratic input into how these sovereign wealth mm-hmm. funds are invested mm-hmm. and being able to leverage that wealth to accomplish certain tasks, mm-hmm. it's largely left in the hands of technocrats mm-hmm. whose Managers, only goal is sure. to kind of 
I, but I would, I would also right? say the strength of that is that most people are depoliticized. So you want to keep the bar to entry as low as possible. So if you make the bar just telling people you invest this money to tank these hedge funds so that, you know, you can have some, you know, profit. Well, you right? can contact the employees it, of the it, companies that are being sold short. I mean, you, you, you could do that, but that's going to take time. And plus... You don't have, you don't even have to bring in the politics. Well, if social, here's the, the problem profit, with socialists. I think is enough of a motive. Forget for five seconds the problems with capitalism. What's the problem with socialists? The problem with socialists is say that none of this shit matters. We don't even have to understand it or think about it. The real organization is like, you know, organizing against your landlord, mm-hmm. creating renters unions or, or having a strike, you know, go to a picket line. Like, no, jackass. Learn how the economy works so you could do this. Could you imagine if they put all the energy that they put into fucking trying to stick, like, you know, teachers trying to stick it to Chicago public, you know, Lori Lightfoot, if they came up with some app that could coordinate the workers of the companies whose shares are being sold short so that they could pool money to invest and jack those shares up so that people selling short would go bankrupt, then they might be able to keep their jobs. Right. And you know what? That's not the revolution, but that's more than any socialist activist ever gave any worker in the past 50 years. Right. And that's that's also like um, I talked to Daniel about this where I was going. So um, I'm at a point in my life um, where I plan on buying a, a house, not just a house. I want to buy a property, a rental property. And my thing I was talking to Daniel with is like, how do I do that with a Marxist analysis of how the economy works? So what how I can you be a Marxist rentier? Why well, can you be a rock Marxist rentier? Right. So my uh, thought process is at the ground. If I'm doing this myself, the most that I can do is rent out the properties at cost. So the cost would be the mortgage, the property taxes, and maintenance. So if I can cover those costs, then I can rent out the property at cost, right? And I would also have to live in one of the units so that you know I don't have to worry about my rent. Mm-hmm. So then when I do that, that is going to you know, keep people, I'm not going to evict people and because they cannot pay a price where I've raised their rents because I'm not going to raise their rents beyond cost. So it's always going to be lower than market value. So if I expand that and I had a network of a bunch of, you know, real estate, you know, Marxist real estate investors, and we had a bunch of property in one of the wards of Chicago, right? And mm-hmm. we all only function at cost. And every time that we made enough mm-hmm. to buy a, a building, we buy another building. So the only point of the profits is to buy more buildings to rent them out at cost. What's going to happen eventually is when everyone else wants to raise their rents, our rents are going to remain at cost. So that means that the mm-hmm. rents in our area are always going to drag down the rents of through all, competition. Yep, through competition, through all of to mm-hmm. all drag, drag down the rents. Of all the other um, landlords, which means that and the only workers, way they could break you is through monopolistic behavior because exactly. they all have to by collude. refusing to sell you properties by jacking up yep. the prices of your or, properties or and so to and so or to sell their rent below cost because they have the capital to take that loss. But right. that is illegal. Exactly, because I could just buy them below cost. So if we all did that and we were driving the prices down, 
that would functionally work as a rent freeze. The, the problem is that you'd have to adjudicate who gets to, because you, at a certain point, you'd have more applicants to live in your apartments than you had units because you're renting out below cost. So you'd have to have some sort of bureaucracy in place to adjudicate who gets to live in these apartments and who doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Like there would sure. have to be some sort of criteria, right? You'd have and to you, be a real and worker. And that would be covering right. your maintenance costs. Right, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. What that would be a part of That's it. true, yeah. You could you could include a sort of uh, bureaucracy surcharge. And like, what Daniel added, which was pretty cool, is he was questioning, you know, how do we um, like make this democratic? And what we were thinking is every renter would basically have a vote inside of the corporation mm-hmm. so everybody who rents would be able to dictate when we raise rents to cover costs or when we lower rents because the more properties we have the more we can lower rent to be more aggressive on right. the market yeah so that's that that would bring workers together stuff like that why is don't socialists think Wall about institutions and organization this way like that. That's a. That's a. I mean, so that's a housing co-op, right? But it's. Basically. I guess it's. It's more an aggressive over like multiple units. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the problem is that if you look at sort of the incentives within a housing co-op, it's not necessarily you know people within the housing co-op are going to have an incentive to manipulate the rents to attract or repel certain types of people that they don't want to be neighbors with, right? right? So you could see the people being like, oh, let's not lower rents even though we could because we don't want riffraff moving in. I don't want to. Have but to you could put that in the charter stuff, right? that rents have to be at cost right but there's always going to be some some wiggle room the only thing they could wiggle in is is in the maintenance costs yeah but but let's not get too stuck on a particular example the important thing is like what why are why are leftists and socialists so squeamish about like getting into the nitty-gritty of institutions and organizations not organizing in the sense like you know how are we going to make a really cool poster to like you know, totally stick it to the man, stick it to right. the man or it, it's whatever. But- it's because it's a hobbyist thing. Socialism is a middle class movement. And so people don't have particularly much direct material incentive to actually engage in politics in the most productive way possible, right? If socialism had a working class base, the working class base would be constantly generating these ideas. Hey, you know what would mm-hmm. make my life easier if we all pooled our resources and mm-hmm. had a, a rental mm-hmm. empire or if we all pooled our resources and empire. like fucking made my employer let us unionize and all well, this other what, stuff, That's right? what it would have to be like because socialism is a mode of production. Caligula so Industries. If we're gonna, yeah. Or Caligula in, in real estate. No, how, how would I, what is the real estate? Well, maybe Caligula <laughs> isn't the one we want to use <laughs> for that. Maybe Spartacus. I I, want to use Caligula, but (laughs) right. But, but it's like, I mean, and so then it becomes a chicken and egg problem, right? Like the middle-class dilettantes who, who have infested the left simply because they don't have any direct material incentive to think down these pathways. They're not going to do it right. They're always going to think down the pathway of let's like brand ourselves and ever so twee away to attract like this hipster chick that I want to bang or whatever it is that mm-hmm. is underlying the incentive structure of, of socialist mm-hmm. or activism. Or hipster boy. Say hipster boy or, or what have you. But, um, you know, so then it becomes a chicken and egg problem. How do we attract the working class base that would actually bring this kind of energy and this kind of vitality to the movement that would enable it to kind of be more nimble and be more sort of avant-garde mm-hmm. in its tactics? Um, and I don't know. I don't really know how you do that. That's kind of the main the main problem confronting us is that we have no idea how to attract a sizable working class base. I don't think that's base. the main problem. Well, it has to be in the know. interest of people. Right. I mean, like it has to it has to be profitable to them. And one thing I hear about from a lot of socialists is like against the profit motive, against the profit motive, it's like bullshit. People don't have time. If there's no, like 
it has to be in people's advantage. And if you right. can come up with an institution, which is to say like a, a mode of social organization, self-reproducing mode of social organization, mode of production, which is in people's advantage, then it'll be like this GameStop stuff. Right. They, they're fucking those people on the one hand, but they're also getting money out of it. I mean, that, that should be the business model of socialism. Cause I don't think it shouldn't be charity. Right. It shouldn't be sacrifice. Right. And I don't, I don't, I don't think, cause you said that the problem is how do we attract these working class people that have a material connection mm. to these problems? I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is how do, we know how to attract working class people. You, you apply incentives and working class people will join you if you have something to offer. Um, no, would, would you disagree? Is, no, but I, I think that's the case. Hold, hold on a second. The problem yeah. is, the problem is, is that the people who make up the socialist organizations, the character of them now, they don't have the will to implement those measures. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is that without a working class base, you're not going to, uh, ha you're not going to develop the kind of in things that would incentivize working class people to join your organization, right? Now I get it. Simply because you're not thinking that way. Well, you don't think we could just sort of objectively think about the nature of of capitalism, understand what kind of um, changes could be made in organizational forms, such as to benefit working people and then okay, sell so, them. Okay, so let's say that we've decided that um, we're going to form a socialist hedge fund, right? Mm -hmm. So that means we need or to- housing co right, or, or housing co-op or what have you, right? We need to have the sort of expertise and and the drive in organizational capacity internally to develop all the institutions we need to properly execute on. So we need lawyers. We mm -hmm. need, you know, all sorts of stuff, right? Workers, right. We need all this stuff, right? And we've got various problems. So if you look at the construction workers, we just don't have any construction workers in our socialist wow. movement right now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, if that's you how you can tell socialism is bankrupt in this right. country because working fucking people right. aren't there. Right. So that's one element. And then if you look at, you know, the lawyers, it's like, okay, obviously a housing, operation is going to need lawyers, but the lawyers, why would they spend their time on something that isn't of direct benefit to them? Well, right? because most people with JDs don't have jobs. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a joke. Yeah. I mean, but, you, you can yeah, conceive yeah. of that, right? Um, it's sort of underemployed, lumpenized lawyers kind of applying their, their mm -hmm. know-how. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. That, that makes a certain degree of sense. But I, I think that for those for those hypothetical lumpenized lawyers, you know, they are always, is it easier for them to justify spending their time trying to help this housing co-op get off the ground? Or is it easier for them to justify spending their time kind of playing the game, trying to land some job with an NGO through DSA connections or what have you, right? And I think mm. that's the trade-off that you're going to run into. Well, the incentive would be there that, you know, they would help take it, get it off the ground because they would get a unit in there at cost, which is right. to say considerably less than the going Right. The going rate on the market. And so right, but I mean, have to also, organize to that degree. Right. See, yeah. And, and does a, is, does is a lawyer want a unit at cost or does a lawyer want a big career break? A, a lot of a lot of a lot of I mean, I was just listening to this thing the other day. I don't remember what it was, a podcast, some guy. Um, he had the lawyers that were that were defending that were on the Fred Hampton case. Mm -hmm. And these were, you know, white middle class kids from Probably the suburbs. One went to Northwestern and they threw their lot in back in the day with all these uh, Black Panthers and radical leftists and stuff. I mean, the people exist. And I'm just saying, like, the point is just, um, you know, 
My if you're going to fight gentrification, right? really, if you're really going to fight it, you're going to take the fight to it. You're going to have to do shit like this, which, which cuts those people's costs, uh, prices down. Because what is gentrification? Some people move in, it changes the valuation, it's it changes the price. The market. Precisely. You're being priced out, you're being forced out. So if you're really going to fight it, you're, you know, like going with a, going with a protest sign in your hand is like open up a you lemonade have to control stand. price. It's that simple. If you want to control, if you want to stop gentrification, which is people being priced out of the market, you have to develop a way to control mm -hmm. the price. And it's not enough to have renters unions where you just stick it to a landlord. You need to have some mode of organization, which involves ownership, worker ownership. Yeah. So that should my, be a no brainer. My question uh, to Jamal is, yeah. The, the leadership of these left organizations, right? Why, in my experience, the people that rise to the top of them are the most um, like uh, rhetorically skilled rather than the people who are the most organizationally skilled. So like with that character, because that seems to be what you were pointing at, like how a lot of the academics control this and they have no incentive. I think if you to, look, if you look at the DSA, it's not so much academics at okay. the top. Um, I, I think that the old DSA was a lot of academics, but the Bernie bounce has brought in a new leadership stratum, which is not so much academics. Okay. You've got some grad students. Sure. But for the most part, these are people who have jobs in political, they're political operatives, okay. NGOs and that sort of general ambit. Right. So, uh -huh. um, these are people who are careerists, but, but careerists in, highly competitive, not particularly well remunerated fields. So like no one what is What are they in it for? So why are they rise to the top? I don't fucking know why they're in like I when when you think about why you would spend your entire life competing for some 50k a year gig as a political operative, I have no fucking Like they clue. run on retweets and likes? I don't know why. I, but why I, do they rise to the top of these organizations? Because because moment? that's their job and they have unlimited time and energy well, to They're probably to independently spend. wealthy, I guess. So a lot of them are independently wealthy, I think. And that might be why are you doing this? Because they don't care about money. Uh, so so they care about thing. prestige. They care about, you know, it's they care about being close to power, right? Like mm. you can see all you know, recently um, you've had a bunch of people in the DSA who were conspicuously anti-Democrat as of a couple of years ago, suddenly flip flopping. And now they're all about how, oh, well, third partyism is a dead end. We need to, you know, the way forward is AOC. And like we need to defend AOC from nasty Jimmy Dore, who's telling her to push for Medicare, a Medicare for all vote and all this other stuff. This this kind of thought process is very transparent. Like a lot of these people don't need money because they're from wealthy families. Right. What they what they crave is proximity to power, right? And so mm -hmm. when they have a taste of that, they're like, okay, well now I'm gonna go through all sorts of internal mental flips to mm -hmm. make it so that my job is like defending AOC from her for critics. I mean, regardless <laughs> whether or not you have people who are defending AOC, why are those people in control of where the organization is putting its energy. They have unlimited time and energy to do this because well, they're that's the gatekeepers. Their job. I mean, they that's don't actually want the power anyways because then they'd have the responsibility. And they Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they they want it to be a safe, curated social space where they can network in peace. You know, like they <laughs> they they don't want one man's heaven is another man's hell. I right. Guess. They don't want construction workers there because construction workers are rowdy and they they're tell, gonna say they naughty tell words. Bad jokes. They tell naughty so jokes. It's a social and club. Stuff. It's a social saying. club mixed in with a kind of low stakes career network, you know, like a career network that's not necessarily what I'm hearing is that the social aspect is coming ahead of even um, the career. So the career is just to justify 
the social club. When, when you ask, when you when you ask yourself why these people are so desperate for jobs in these particular sectors, you know, like journalists, political, you know, these are not well remunerated sectors. So there's something else going on there. Like there's a reason that someone right. is desperate to like have a piece published in Jacobin. The prestige. Well, they have right? a trust fund or something. And a lot of yeah, trust funds. I don't, I don't know. Psychologically, you can try to figure out what's going on with these people. They're but, buying their conscience. Look, I did something good for I the cause. I think it's none that. that no? Maybe part of it, but I I think what I'm hearing is that it's basically I have this job as a journalist, which justifies the lifestyle that I live um, as far as, you know, um, uh, I I write articles about AOC. I write articles about whoever, and I don't actually engage in, you know, um, you know, on the ground politics. I don't actually organize people to get a job done. I just talk about, I just report on what's going on. Well, no, on. because a lot of them are, their jobs are organizing people around these sort of low stakes, you know, yeah, let's win a city council seat or something like that, fix right? Fix the taillights. Right, fix the, uh, those aren't the, so those aren't the careerists because the careerists don't like taillight fixing. The careerists like local politics, the careerists like um, tenant unions and, you know, stuff like this, anything that a local NGO is involved in because they can... this isn't just um, like, you know, Daniel saying like the people with disposable income and trust fund kids who are doing this, we experience this in socialist alternative, right? So these are regular people and it has to be something else. The social cachet that -hmm. you get from organizing in this work to rattle your fist, Mm -hmm. to make the slogans, to shout the loudest... You know, to 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 post the pictures on on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram, wherever the fuck people are right. that I'm not. Um, that has to like it seems like the actual work that they do and get paid for is just to justify the presentation and the likes that they get on social media to an extent. There there is a certain extent to which I don't understand the psychology of a lot of the people doing this, right? Some of them you can write off as trust fund kids or what have you, but there there are regular-ish working people right. who have chosen this field right. to work in, even though the pay is not particularly good. They would be making a lot more money working in HR mm-hmm. at like a, a, a I don't know, a, a, a heater, you know, like a, a thermometer plant or something in, in or, the yeah. summer. And it doesn't and really make that much of a right. difference right. ultimately. So, so it's not like they're sacrificing the income for the cause. Cause let's face it. It's not really going anywhere. I think it's like those Christian sects or something like back in the early days of the church. I mean, people would renounce all their worldly possessions and they'd go be part of this group and then they'd, you know, kind of do stuff. I think that's a large part of it. I think that, that because people are so atomized when you found a kind of community, there's this kind of cult dynamic, right? You found the community. Mm-hmm. And so you just live within the community. And like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, all your friends, you know, like your prospective mates, your, you know, mm-hmm. um, your, your career opportunities are all, cons- are all constrained within this bubble, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of, mm-hmm. and I think church is a good analogy for it. Right. And Benjamin Studebaker wrote that famous article about how the mm-hmm. left shouldn't be a church. But I think that's, that's a lot of it is that, People are yearning for something that they're not getting in their lives. They find some approximation of it. And so then they're all in, right? Mm -hmm. They're all in. This is the only thing that I want to do. Mm -hmm. It gives me meaning. It gives me purpose. Um, And then what do they do? They take it over and they corrupt it. They destroy it from within because it's no longer about actually achieving political goals for the working class. It's about soothing their own psychic 
mm-hmm. injury, right. right? And kind of making them feel Satisfying better. Satisfying their emotional needs. Right. So that, that sort of thing. Yeah. And that would explain the cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance and the sort of bubble, bubble thinking and why, for instance, we shouldn't get too mixed up in the details of capitalism. The irony though, is that it, they say, you know, they say, don't get mixed up in the details or you're just perpetuated. The irony of course, is that if you don't get into the details, then you're never going to be able to change it in any way. You know what I mean? I mean? What I'm wondering is like, you know, when I hear people talk about this stuff, I mean, what is it that makes, I mean, whether it's, whether it's um, people who do actually do something or, or people who just sort of rattle off takes online, what is it that makes people on the left so eager to say that <clears throat> like when it comes to shit like this with, uh, with um, Wall Street bets and Robin Hood, this doesn't make any difference. This doesn't matter. Don't even, don't get too excited. Don't get your hopes up. Don't get carried away. You know, it's like, are they just afraid of looking like a naive fool sucker? Cause on the other hand, you're not supposed to be cynical. That's also a no, no. I mean, what is the, what is the, the, the wall streets bet wall street bets. People are not aesthetically and subculturally compatible with DSA careerist people Mm. or, or ultra left trot, sect career like non-careers people Mm. whatever you know these various left subcultures are not compatible with reddit like finance bros right Mm. like they're just they live bros are not welcome bros aren't welcome and so anything that would attract bros and you saw this even um famously i think it was in in the last primary um the co-chair of atlanta dsa said that he didn't want the chapter to endorse bernie in the primary because it would bring in a lot of bernie bros right and that's not the kind of people that we want in our chapter i actually read this also in one of the wall street journal articles about this recently they're saying one of the people involved in this uh, whole thing was uh was on the sanders uh on the sanders campaign and like like they're trying to you know the the pro-establishment people yeah well i mean that'll piss off 100 people 100 different ways but the institution the establishment side wall street journal they're trying to say like oh they're a bunch of bernie bros but the socialists will say he's involved with wall street bets fuck him he's not a real socialist and we you know what neither was bernie sanders we knew it all along right right yeah uh, you know, it's interesting uh, on the subject of kind of the hardening or the shifting sort of like liberal in-group, out-group dynamic. I was reading an interesting article in The Atlantic today about pandejos, which is apparently pandejos, pandejos. Uh, okay. pandemic pandejos, right? Uh, yeah. So like Hispanics who aren't properly observing proper protocols about uh-huh, masking uh-huh. and stuff. And so you can kind of see like the liberal media is kind of like beginning to define a certain sort of Hispanic out of the POC. Mm. You know, Ooh. like because they're behaving. So there's a kind of racism that's okay, <laughs> right. just so long as you like some of the people who right. belong to that group. Right, right, yeah. Well, I mean, no, it's 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 more of the psychology of um, the noble savage has to always be noble. So when the noble savage isn't right. being noble, you have to figure out. No, mm-hmm. it's not the savage isn't. No, it's not that the savage isn't noble. One hundred percent of the time, it's that these people aren't actually part of the savage. Right, right. <laughs> They've been corrupted by yeah. you know Reddit bro influence or something. And yeah, I, I just yeah, I heard from a friend too about you know these sort of meetings with like uh, racial so BIPOC and non BIPOC meetings for theater <laughs> management, and yeah, yeah, and so because I mean a white manager can't command a black person what to do, you know. Well. They know they know that they'll come into Obviously. conflict with their own ideology. So what do they do? 
they say, well, we need, we need, we need uh, more um, managers of color like faces and who faces. are in our, yeah, precisely who are in our position. So they'll do our work for us so that mm-hmm. they tell their people of their color what <laughs> to <color>. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it is, folks. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've experienced that. Why doesn't anyone call this segregation? But the, the PMC liberals, they think that that's what you got to do. What did uh, Adolf read during that whole um, uh, imbroglio uh, with the Afrosoc and Afrosoch and, and BIPOC uh, caucus called them I, spontaneously in some interview, um, the Afrosoch and Bipolar caucus? <laughs> just like, I don't know if that was like a purposeful burn or if like it was just how he, he came out with it, but it was pretty. BIPOC, bipolar, I see. I would have called it the hysterical middle-class bullshit party, I guess. I yeah, but it, but it doesn't work because like the, the phonetic resemblance there mm. is just like re- what really makes it as a, as an insult. Um, I think, I just think that there's some fear on the part of people who claim to be committed to working class politics and socialism, a fear of the details and a fear of the, the functioning and the logic of the system in, in the respect in which it could be developed to another one. I think like, it's a fear of winning. It's a fear. Yeah, it's a fear of winning to Damn. a large extent because that would upset the grift and the gravy train and the nice little. And it would mean risks. Know. And it means an end to the journey, the end right. of your radicalism, the end of right. your cool. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's a it's it's a quest for cool. Well, what is it? And was it Bernstein said the the end is the the end is the path or something like that? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, the, the the end the path to the end is itself the end. Something like this. Not but doesn't good. this get back to something that we talked about on earlier episodes, which is the sort of weird psychology of leftism, which mm-hmm. is sort of rooted in the idea that they, to be a leftist is in some sense to be kind of a loser. Like that's the, mm-hmm. the standpoint yeah. of yeah, leftism I mean, so, is challenging right. power. And by almost tautologically speaking, like you, you can't know, win to, and to still get, be right. the good well, guy. Well, it's our exactly. own version of the win, right. the bad guy. Right, right. exactly, cause. exactly. I mean, the underdog uh, yeah. stuff. Well, there, right, there right, is right. that, but I, I think it's important, you know, like power meaning dad, right? Or or your uncle, you know, your, exactly your conservative uncle about. at Thanksgiving or right. that kind of thing. Like if you're in a movement that could conceivably include dad and uncle, that movement is worthless to you now, right? Mm-hmm. Because that those are the people mm-hmm. that you that you hate with all every fiber of your being that you want to exclude, you know, like mm. you're building a movement specifically. So dad won't come into it and you won't mm. have to, you won't have to respect him anymore. Well, that's right? what daddy has said previously. Um, it's rebellion. It's not revolutionary. Yeah. It's just rebellious energy. And, right. and that's the middle-class character too. I think if the main thing is to distinguish yourself from your parents, I mean, look now like 40 year old, 40 year old PMCs with, tattoo sleeves trying to say, you know, I may be a manager, but I'm not just a manager. I'm also unique. Yeah. You know, I'm also, I, I like craft beer in the <laughs> DIY like scene. Rock. Yeah. Punk rock. I mean, I'm, and that's, that's why it's not going to work. Cause at the end of the day, socialism isn't tat sleeves. It's a mode of production. And here's one of the reasons I think a lot of the socialist organizations, besides not being able to, um, get, um, working class people to join their organizations. I think they have a hard time getting uh, people of color, specifically black people that I can attest to in their organizations is because we don't really have that um, character of rebelling against our parents. Mm. Our parents were cool. Mm -hmm. They were part of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. You know, we're pretty grateful. Like every time you hear black people talk, they talk about the elders, the old Mm -hmm. church elders or whatever. 
And, um, you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's a respect. It's not that you hold them in reverence, that everything they say is true mm-hmm. and that they know everything that's correct. It's just that you respect them because they've actually struggled where you haven't. I mean, they didn't mm-hmm. just fight through the bullshit of earning what they got. They also had to fight against some fucker who was trying to make right, sure. And they-, they fought. And that's why I respected Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton right. or over anyone else is because he was there. Mm-hmm. He did it. I didn't mm-hmm. do that. I can't even say that I was as involved in civil rights as Bernie Sanders. Just because I'm black doesn't mean I was a part of the movement. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders was. That's why I believe Well, that's what they're that. selling now. That's not what's that's what they're selling now. Ethnicity is the movement. Yeah, and 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 I think, you know, um I don't know, like we we have to remove that rebellious nature and it has to become material like the Wall Street bets. You know, an an interesting phenomenon that I've noticed is um, the phenomenon of the like, what's her name? The, The 1619 Project lady. Um, I don't remember. Ida B. Wells. No, that's not. <laughs> that was a joke. I didn't understand. No, was that is that her Twitter handle or something? Uh-huh. Is that why you said that? Is that her Twitter handle? Please explain th- the joke th- and make it funny. I think that is her. That's yeah, I believe like that. that's her. Uh, but that's her Twitter handle. Um, Nic- God, Nicole Hannah Wallace. Is that? I'm her? never gonna know. I don't uh, know. Let's say her name is <laughs> Hannah Nicole. <laughs> Hannah Nicole Wallace. I don't fucking know if that's her name. Um, I'll just look it up. Okay, I'm, I'm going to look it up, We've too. We've all got phones. Hannah Nicole Jones. There right. we go. Hannah Nicole Jones. So, Hannah Nicole Jones uh, is the 1619 Project lady, um, and, you know, her is this kind of, like, hyper-racialized, you know, sort of historiography of almost like a lacrimose school of, of history where, like, the, the only phenomenon, you know, that has ever mattered in American history is racism and so on and so forth. Of course, she has a white parent. Right. Mm. And you see this kind of a lot of the more. Yeah. 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 A lot of the more egregious sort of racializers in American public life are conspicuously mixed race. And it's like, okay, so that's where the fuck you dad sort of element is. Right. (laughs) Like you can see the the kind of rebellion, you know, sort of rather than than revolution dynamic at play in those cases yeah this is a this is a edgy topic apparently i got a it's not edgy no no i got a i got a (laughs) remark i got a remark from a previous uh from somebody from our previous episode about how we touched on this topic and i i i'd never even heard of it but apparently it's called um ado ados yeah apparently Um, that's a hot take that's edgy what we did there i was (laughs) i'm so out of tune i don't even know but you you remarked you remarked that's what i'm gonna say you remarked that neither um obama nor uh kamala harris are right wait you're sending you you're telling me that the dos computer system is descendants of slaves (laughs) microsoft dos is that's what it is that's that's precisely what i'm telling you jesus i had no idea good thing you know but it's 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 true that that. intel is actually run on slaves (laughs) well and and, your uh, conscience is clean kamala harris is famously american's first brahmin vice president so i'm well ruling class from one ruling class to another (laughs) right from ours to yours ados american descendants of slaves i would say uh more power to them but um a lot of things happen to black people well, no, after no. slavery. The point, the point, the point <laughs> well, of the right. controversy I mean, the being there. Well, that's the, why the reparations argument is so. Well, the people bringing up the point that you know you. So you you need to be specific about this, and then right. some left identity politics people were trying to shush sure. them and say, "Well, you know, that's not 
that's not the kind of identity politics that we you want. And then they got specific. shut down. That's why I say more power to them. But I mean, yeah, me too. But as, what I mean is, they're getting as far shut as down. Raw power goes right. They mm-hmm. shouldn't. They shouldn't be shut down. They should be heard. Whatever. But as far as raw power goes, me and you, we just listened to uh, Spillage Village in the car, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the newest album. Um, and what does he say? It's like. When they were fighting over, you know, whether or not Jesus is black, I could say that mm-hmm. I could give you a great argument that Jesus Christ is as black as Shaka Zulu, mm-hmm. right? And then he says, but that would be the same as, you know, fighting over a package, trying to decide whether or not it came from FedEx or UPS when it could save your life, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I feel about reparations. While we're out here fighting about descendants of slaves mm-hmm. versus people who were mm-hmm. um, affected by the Tulsa, mas- Tulsa massacre versus people who are affected by redlining or busing mm-hmm. or all of these ills of society that are projected on the black people at, at large, we're fighting about who was a descendant of a slave. Mm-hmm. We're missing the bigger picture. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But the, and the- I am, for sure, a, a descendant of slaves. So, right. I only bring I only brought that up because it seems like there's a third group, neither the American descendants of slaves nor people of color who aren't descendants of slaves. There's another group, the the wealthy white affluent PMC. Oh, it's just stay out of it. And Shut no, the and fuck they up. well, agreed. But what they say is no, don't have that debate. All people of color are the same, and that's that's the that's the that's no, the no, 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 tool no. that w- that they're going to wield in their centrist, left centrist, neoliberal, technocratic okay. yeah, yeah, pol- yeah. politics. What I'm saying is the debate should be, you know, like a triage debate. How do we get what we can get? How do you mm-hmm. get justice? That's the debate, mm-hmm. and who is worthy of justice? That's the debate, and how much justice? Which is weird. But as far as white PMC people joining in on that debate, that's not. I mean, that's they're not, the, the that's only what place shuts you down. have in this debate is how are you going to help us implement the plan that we come up with? Fair enough. To come back to where we started, yeah. I want to ask you, like, so the way I understand this stuff, so you know, people saying, people saying, like, don't be fooled. This, this um, Wall Street bets, um, independent traders versus the establishment or Robin Hood or whatever. I mean, don't be fooled. That's not the revolution. Those aren't socialists. This isn't socialism. But Black Lives Matter was the revolution all throughout the summer. Like, well, they, they love that. Yeah, they love that. And now that it's something that actually has some sort of material Traction impact, on capital, right? Because it no, requires no, no. work, right? Well, there's that, but that but, doesn't project an image. It doesn't increase your. Um, it doesn't increase like your 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 image, your brand. It doesn't increase your right. your, your it's brand. It's not aesthetically it's compatible not, it's with not the brand. Satisfying. Right. It's, it's not, not emotionally aesthetically compatible. Right. And it's not aesthetically <laughs> compatible with the brand that you are cultivating. Well, that's the thing. I mean, controlling capital isn't ultimately cool in that sort of like rebellion, sort of chic, uh, I don't know, fucking television sense. But what I want to say is, yeah, let's not have any illusions about these people who stick it to hedge funds who are betting that the American economy is gonna tank. But it seems to me that what that is, that's the beta, that's the beta ape going and shaking the bush. And so what that means, what that means is that, yeah, they're trying to fuck somebody too, but they're also trying to fuck the alpha that's fucking you. 
Right. And so think about it. That's why I sat there shaking the tree to get the alpha out of the goddamn That's tree. That's right. So I, the- I don't follow the analogy at all. Of the, I also the don't gym, follow it. I get it. Shaking the bush. I have all, no conception about, of the. So okay, so the alpha. It's all about access. <laughs> and then the, in the instance of the apes, what you're talking about is access to sex. Okay. So when you're talking about primates in general, all right. and, well, even, even humans, sure. you tend to have harems. Yeah, yeah. Which means okay. that. The alpha males have access to yep, a majority yep. or all of the women, that's, right? That's so basically, the beta males in, have to the holy Quran, have to be so. sneaky to get their genes into the gene pool, mm. right? So they're shaking the bush. That's the the only alpha males have access to shake the bush. Okay, okay. So right? alpha males being hedge funds, the right. bush being capital, and the beta male is Reddit. well, no, no, no. The the, the beta the, male is yes. the Reddit group. Yeah. And okay, but what's the female ape in this? The the, the American economy. Yeah. Like the 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 alpha. I think that's the disconnect. Wall I'm Street. Having... The Wall Street alpha ape goes up and shakes the bush. Okay. And that means come over here, American economy. I'm gonna fuck you now. Okay. And then along comes uh, a beta ape, mm-hmm. which is smaller and sort of more like the the one getting fucked, but it's, it's still <laughs> a beta ape it's, it's more like yeah. a female. Well, not even well, that. Because <laughs> it's getting fucked. This doesn't even just apply because there, there's a. But the point is, you can't overlook the fact <laughs> that the fight going on now. I mean, is between these two people over rights to make money on Wall Street. To make love. <laughs> to no. fuck the economy. <laughs> Not even to fuck the economy, because only one of them is fucking the economy. The other one is just trying to... Listen, fight guys, over rights to shake sometimes the Sometimes you stumble on a good analogy, and sometimes you stumble on a shit analogy. Uh, they're uh, they're uh, fighting uh, over the rights <laughs> to shake the bush. I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're heroes, but I think no. the alpha uh. that's trying to kick their ass right now is a worse piece of shit who's really trying to fuck the American economy. Whereas they're they're just, you know, it's insurrection of the betas who want to shake the bush too, and now they're going to get stomped because they're going to try to regulate these people. The more apt metaphor with that idea is, okay, like I said, baboons. So baboons function in colonies <laughs> of like 300 to 800. They're laughing. So baboons function that way, and you'll have the alpha male of a baboon colony will be the most aggressive, the strongest, and right. they will kill yeah, other they kill people. They, you know what they right? do? I heard so what the, will happen is in either they get too old to fight off one other alpha male okay. and they kill them or sometimes they tear off their happens. testicles and eat them three of them three of the smaller uh, males I'm will serious. come and they will murder the alpha male right yeah right they but tear which of those off. three becomes the new alpha or are they a coalition sometimes it just functions as they will separate and oh, form new colonies up the tribes okay right yeah. so I mean, it, it's a similar dynamic to that, and it's not localized to even just think, male females. I'm going to stop you right there. I don't think it's a similar dynamic at all. I think these dynamics have nothing at all to do. What I'm saying with- is, we indeed shouldn't have any illusions about whether or not these <laughs> these people uh, doing the bets are like. Benevolent. The worker, benevolent worker revolutionaries. Yeah, no, they I, aren't. They're trying to get rights to do it right. too. But the point is just that they're provoking a fight with the master who's who thinks it's their God-given right to shake the bush and fuck you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no illusions, but let's see if for what it is. Like, are they worse than the one who gets to shake the bush? Well, I, I think it's important to note that some of them are workers. Like some of these, some of these sure. Wall Street Bets people are workers. 
Sure, know? sure. Yeah, some indeed. Of the people who are shaking some of them the are lumping. Some of them are middle class. Some of them are are rich, right? Like, right. I only say this because a lot of lefties and socialists I hear say like, "Don't be a sucker. Don't be a fool. This isn't radical. This isn't revolutionary. This is just some internecine bourgeois bullshit." And it seems like there's a middle position between, on the one hand, thinking it's like, "Oh, this is great," you know, the little guy David sticking it to the big guy Goliath, and on the other hand, thinking like. This is absolutely nothing. Don't even look. Don't even pay attention. This is one of the logical conclusions of capitalism. This is, I mean, conflicts within within capital are very important for workers to pay attention Once the to. the workers became privy that they could engage to the same capacity as the capitalists, they do it. Imagine, imagine no one gets to shake the bush anymore. The workers own the bush. I, uh, listen... I'm going to keep saying it. This analogy doesn't have legs. It doesn't. The workers own the bush. That doesn't make sense. The monkeys aren't <laughs> no, well, fighting over the bush in the there. first place. So they probably live in that bush. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, parts. They, they live in the tree. But, you know. Yeah, chimps are a tweet, tree but, dweller. I mean, there's a corollary in, in female dominated chimpanzee societies, too. Like bonobos are female dominated, right? Yeah. But all they do is have sex with each other. Or. Well, no, no, no. They don't just have sex with each other. Here's what they do. Here's mm. where their violence comes from. Right. They start biting off digits. Say mm. they, and they do it to males and females. If you mm. don't want to have sex with them, they will bite off a piece mm. of another mm. um, chimp. Okay. And um, it's in your incentive. You're incentivized to to, to gotcha. give in to the the big lady mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. um you know trying to get you to to, to give but, you snoo snoo. So, so bonobos are they matriarchal? Do they have like an alpha female, or are they still? Do they still have an alpha male? But it's just kind of like a different dynamic. Like how do they work? I don't know exactly. Um, I don't know if they have an alpha male, but I don't think they have alpha females. Because like hyenas have alpha females. Like the females are. I don't think it's that type. Hyena of females have dicks. Did yes, you know they have that? bigger yeah. dicks than the males. I, yes, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah, they got dicks. Yeah, they're the only the hy- mammals yeah. that are the, the females hyena, are bigger than like the male. A, like an actual dick. Yes, yeah, like an actual. It's it's yeah. like the clitoris it's is like developed game, yes. in such mm-hmm. a way that it's like a dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are various ah. theories as so. One theory is that it prevents the female from being raped. And the other theory is that it's just the result of of hyena females having animals can't rape Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> It's always natural. Right. Natural. But the other theory is that um, uh, it's a byproduct of female hyenas like having certain like higher testosterone or something because they're bigger than the males or something. Testosterone or something like that. I don't know. But that's the hyena issue. But it has it has some because like it's very hard for them to give birth. Like humans have difficult childbirth because the head is so big, right? But most other animal, most other mammals at least, have relatively easy childbirth, except for hyenas, because the the baby has to like go through this weird like thing and Mm. it can get caught and all sorts of other stuff. So that sucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that why they look so weird? Hyenas are why don't you just chew into the mic some more? It's fucking awesome. disgusting. I mean, there's there's some Freddy's, awesome uh, YouTube Freddy's videos. Pretty good. You can find of like um, there's this town in Ethiopia where the hyenas are kind of like quasi domesticated. Like they come around, they get oh. fed by the villagers and all this other stuff. And um, yeah, hyenas are they can because they're social animals, so they can right. be kind of quasi tamed. Like you know, they're always going to be extremely rowdy, but you know they're. You know, they they won't necessarily attack you. If, like if my you... brother was really happy that dogs were back in the White House. Yeah, I was telling him that if 
I was president, I would either have two black hyenas or one black lion. Like, <laughs> no, the lion would just he would, he would get he'd fucking he would kill be you, there right? at all my fucking meetings. He wouldn't kill me, right? <laughs> he'd kill you, man. I'm feeding him as long as I have. He a would good, fucking if kill If I have a good ass. bit of steakums on me at all times, no, he would fucking kill right? you. He's cool, I, right? Big I cats. Mean, Fried and Roy they did it for a long time. And big, that was with big cats are not. Are not domesticatable in the Didn't same way. I'm not domesticating him. He's running free reign around the White House. This is like we do our <laughs> meetings outside most of the time. You come into the office, it's me and the tiger chilling. Is it a tiger? Or is it like a tiger? Right, would right, definitely right, a tiger would definitely kill me. A tiger would definitely kill me. It's a black lion. It's a okay, black lion. A lion, maybe. A black lion, right? Because, you know, I watched the documentary of the guy who put on some little lion cub. He goes back right. into the wild. Now, if it were a lioness, I would say that the lioness maybe wouldn't kill you. But a lion would definitely kill you because he's got to establish his dominance. Not necessarily. The, he's got to. He's got to. If he's not the he dominant lion. He won't kill you lion. unless you try to shake the bush. I don't got to be aggressive. <laughs> you know? He's so you're saying you'd be the beta to this alpha lion. I mean, I got. He doesn't have. What, what is he going to take from me? Right? Your life. All that sweet that you got right all that sweet exactly <laughs> that you got exactly lying around up in that house <laughs> exactly no we're, we're we have a mutual understanding that I do the politics he does the intimidation we're both we're both alpha in this situation I think you Chilling, you're man. imagining a dictator somewhere I think <laughs> I don't think the lion understands because listen a no, lion right the president of the United States a mature yeah. a mature adult male lion does not live with other adult male lions in right. his pride right you know, the, the other male adult lions leave the pride and go mm-hmm. try to find their own harem. But you're not right? considered a, you wouldn't be considered a lion because there, there's been, there's been documented that other lions have included humans. Like a guy raised the lion cub, he rehabilitated it, sent it back mm-hmm. in the wild, mm-hmm. and then he goes into Africa and mm-hmm. sees him with his family. Yep. This lion runs up to him and just starts licking him. That's what I imagine the Disney version yeah, of this. That's, 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 like, that's, awesome. like a, that's like a lion why runs you, into his, his why, fucking brother right. or something. It's like, exactly. oh, brother, I remember I'm you. Bro. That's great. But I'm you're not bro. living. Both, the brother isn't bro. living with, bro, with the lion. Black. We're both black here, right? We're <laughs> both bro. Can lions bro. even see color? Yes, they totally can. They can. It's well, not you about don't really seeing need the to color. It's feeling the color. He's feeling it in his heart. It's in his heart. It's love. Stop yeah, it, but no, but this is what people who have so is a lion a better analogy for understanding the PNC? No, PNC? Shut up! About it. <laughs> but this is what people who who have cat pet cats always say. They always project all these emotions onto the cat, Adam. you know. And it's like the cat doesn't love it you. Just first likes the salt on your like skin. Yeah, the cat doesn't care cats? about you at all. It has no conception of 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 any kind of social dynamic with you, right? Cats are like, sociopaths. They well, no, they just don't have the mental framework for for uh, a, a group dynamic, right? Like a dog does, because dogs have evolved over you know millions of years to be pack animals, right? Cats, with the exception of lions, um, have not developed that kind of infrastructure in their brain, so they can't conceive of 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 a, of a group dynamic. Can I have a panther? Work. Panthers are loners, man. Damn it. Uh, no, no, you no, no. You need a gregarious no, animal for it not to kill no, you. Damn it. Have you no, met my I'm cat, though? This. Huh? Have you met my cat, though? Yeah, they all say that. And that's because of the fucking trichinosis or whatever, that parasite that yeah. lives I mean, in their uh, blood. What is that it, makes uh, you drive. Brainwashes which, which them which and makes you a much cats. cooler driver, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> Toxoplasmosis? Tox- that's it. Toxoplasmosis. It, yeah, it I looked into that. Scary. Yeah, it does. drive like a badass. Yeah, that's right. It makes you not afraid. Yeah. Yeah, man. 
So does that? So I think if, I think we should all the leftists in DSA should get some toxoplasmosis. Oh, I'm sure they already have it. Just I'm let sure your cat scratch these, your face. These people are cat people. They definitely Ooh. already have toxoplasmosis. Um, Especially all the fucks in Portland, <laughs> always trying to get shot by the cops. <laughs> Sorry. You're Finally, not you're I think we've reached that moment, folks, where we give our final thoughts on the on the topic yeah i, I think uh, uh workers hedge fund workers stock retailer these are things that we should be looking into mm-hmm. and um that would be if if the left were able to get its shit together and make this stuff happen that would be an incredibly good sign a much better sign than than anything else that that it's done for the past however many years mm. i'm just gonna say hulu has live sports and uh get that money I'm going to buy some AMC stock. Yeah. People were saying Nokia for a while. I don't know what what that's about, but. You know, I feel like kind of feel. So I know that they're not just doing this to be ironic, but because there's money to be made, if you know, even if it's a pump and dump thing. Right. But I kind of, it reminds me of high school. Do you remember like people would call in total request, MTV total request live and request vanilla ice tracks to get on the top 10 just because they thought it would be funny, like ironic. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's absolutely the case that like Bed Bath and Beyond is getting pumped. If this stock weren't GameStop, it wouldn't have blown up like this. Like GameStop was the perfect stock for for this mm. kind of thresh for this Rubicon absolutely. to be crossed with, mm-hmm. because obviously the whole gamer dynamic. People have all sorts of fond memories of mm. GameStop and so on. Well, people so gamers hate GameStop. Well, really? yeah, but but at the same time they love that doesn't it, right? make any like, sense maybe. to me. That's why I company. keep thinking about like Blockbuster right now. Like if Blockbuster were still around, <laughs> there is one. There's one left. Is it still? Is it still open? I know there's one in Oregon that's been open for years, but it's in Bend, Oregon, I believe. Um, but I just keep thinking that would be like the perfect. Listen, man. You know, no like one cares if, about movies just family anymore. Vi- does family video have a stock? You know what I mean? Mm. Now. No, that's well. I think the next not. step in the evolution. So I feel like actually, if we want to be, we want to out Marxist the Marxists, so called. I mean, we look at the left's sort of incapacity to understand these things and to do anything on the basis of any kind of informed knowledge of the economy. It seems like the false consciousness is among the leftists, and and you're having growing class consciousness among the non-leftists. Right. The next stage in the development of class consciousness would be beyond the stock market beyond speculative trading and shares of other people's future industrial profits. And, and to talk about, you know, not trading rights to other people's capital, but capital itself. So the workers can do that shit and control their own fate. Yeah. Hmm. Cheers. But Tito was a Stalinist, so forget it. Tito, Tito ruled. Fuck him. Are we Titoists? I'm a Titoist. Yeah, Tito ruled. Well, once upon a time, People knew me as Tito. <laughs> so. I like a good teat now yeah. and then. Yeah, what's the what's the tier list of authoritarian communist dictators? I think Tito's got to be. Stalin shook the bush. Tito is, number, <laughs> Tito is clearly number one. I think Tito's number one because Stalin, yeah, he killed a lot of people, but Tito a lot of that loved. was just, that was frivolous killing. Like most, it was counterproductive. Yes. Yeah. Political figures in day, world history. The non-aligned yeah. pact. Right. I think he he has got to be. And the Yugoslavia prosperous and economy. I would say Tito, well. and then I, honestly, I would say like Perón. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, mean, he's he's complicated figure. He's complicated, I, but I mean, in terms of figures who were just like adored. 
think, I, but Castro's got to be up there too. Castro, I mean, too. Castro's yeah, this is yeah. here. I've got heads with a lot of lefties well, about this because I don't. I mean. I mean, I respect Did him you read for that holding out to the American he, Empire. How he seduced his CIA assassin. I, I didn't. He had a relationship with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was, it was this Castro? amazing. It was this See amazing that of him with his shirt off. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Converse exactly. Shoes. Like this, this CIA, the CIA okay, hires cool. this That's... young lady to be to kill Castro. She shows up, and Castro is just like, "So you're gonna kill me?" And he just unbuttons his shirt, like exposes his exposes his chest, you know, and like hands her his gun, you know. All this is. And I mean, she can't do it. This is the stuff so of myths. She, he, so he just like ravishes her. I also her. heard so much bullshit. I also heard. Guevara's last words, he was going to be executed and he looks at the executioner's face, he's handcuffed and he's on the yeah. ground, he said you're only killing a man <laughs> this shit can't be real, I mean he probably pissed himself and passed out, oh no way man anyways, I mean, Cuba, I admire their ability to hold Fucking out against the American F- Empire F tier, they fucked up so much shit, like they shouldn't, I mean, collectivizing the agriculture just cause you're a socialist like that was a disaster Whatever, Whatever, man. Their their human development index is still really fucking high. I feel like this is a conversation for a later day. <laughs> we, got, we, got on your we got to do one of those tier lists. Have you guys seen that tier communist? list website where where it has the tiers and then you can like drag well, yeah, them? I'll yeah, say, yeah. I, I we should do one of those tier Tito's lists at the top. Of, of authoritarian. See, co- I yeah. would say Tito and Prone are up at the top. I, I, mean, I mean, Tito was number one. I can't think of anybody... We said Who workers workers Tito. have to choose their management for themselves. You need worker self-control, self-management. Mm. But I would say Tito, Tito and Prone. I'm telling you. Tito and Prone. Tito's vodka and Patron. Which <laughs> is better. There we go. There we go. Patron, I, I hate vodka, so I'll take the I'll take the tequila. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. That's a wrap. Are you there, Chi?